Welcome to the Rose Garden. I'm Holly. And I'm Julia. And we're desperate for the rose. All right, let's dive into episode three. Party. That was a nice, like, refreshing start to kind of a a like downer of an episode I don't yeah this episode is just like eh. it's it got really great moments but the overall themes of it yeah it was kind of depressing mm-hmm. yeah it, it was a lot, of, a lot of like coming to terms with things and realizing the consequences especially with like Gabby Bree's marriage is starting to look really depressing yeah, yeah, there's a lot of brief focus and the disillusionment of that situation, which is just sad. And, and I, never, I would never think that in an episode, something with Susan and Mike would be my favorite. And that's kind of where I'm at with this episode. <laughs> and I think that's why, like, we have all eight seasons of the entire show with us when we form our opinions on things. But right. in these early days, when Mike and Susan are the, are they gonna, are they gonna? Like, this yeah. is the exciting phase of Susan, even though I love it. you start to see what makes her the most annoying all, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but, we'll like, it's still cute it. right now, to a point. It is, it is, to a point. There are some moments in the, this episode that I will be criticizing Susan for. <laughs> Me as well, a lot. Because she's showing her colors that are not so nice and cute. Her not no. cute side. Heard, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. This episode, October 17th, 2004, Pretty Little Picture, which is from one of my childhood favorite musicals, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And I'm not quite sure if this song title song connects with the episode overall. It's sung by Pseudolus the Slave to the young lovers, archetype, hero, and Fila, something like that. And it's just about a boy, and I'm saying that in quotes because it refers to him as a boy and his bride sailing off into the sunset together, basically, and how it's a pretty little picture. And the only line that I thought maybe is a little poignant is no worries, no bothers, no captains, no fathers. So nothing meddling into the life, just the pretty little picture, all nothing can bother it and ruin it. Whereas that's not reality. We all know that. He's trying to right. romanticize something, but it's clear that it's on the boat that could easily capsize at any moment. Totally. And that's what we, that's what's going on, especially with like with Gabby, you know, she has this first moment of like, maybe her affair is going to get exposed and revealed. And so now that I've talked about it, I see the connection more than when I did at first. Yeah. It really is. Well, at first. Right. At first, when you think about it, you're like, this makes literally no, that, no, that romanticizing no a perfect little la-di-da, like life, that's not like, what's happening. No, this episode is so just dark reality of yeah. sometimes life just fucking sucks. Totally. We start obviously with Mary Alice narrating and this, she talks about how in death, she has to leave behind all the things she surrendered, her desires, her beliefs, ambitions, and doubts. And only is holding on to her memories, which are greatly detailed. So they really, in these early episodes, are trying to establish the narrator and her view and how she can see and all this stuff. They really are getting almost into the metaphysical afterlife 
shit. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. I also think this, this might be kind of a stretch, but like alluding to the, the song in the intro or the name, sorry, the name of the episode. Um, like it's as if she's leaving behind all realistic things that she had to experience in her life. And now she just has nostalgia and yeah. it's kind of like, all we have to hold on to really is nostalgia. Like nostalgia is such a glorious thing. And that's what Mary Alice is kind of talking about. I feel like. Ooh, loving that. Also, uh, again, in the previously ons, they didn't have the music still. So it's definitely just like an early thing they didn't start doing. But again, I for a second, I thought there was music because I was hearing it in my head. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Or it should be. Yeah. Mary Alice is kind of observing all her memories of her friends, starting with Brie. And we jump to Brie and she's making Rex pretend he's not sleeping on the uncomfortable couch by waking him up at five in the morning to get him back in bed before the kids wake up. (laughs) Because she's so concerned what the kids are going to think. And it's like, it's so funny when parents that are a couple that's separating or divorcing just has this idea that their kids don't know what's going on. Right. Like Like, they could have no idea. there, There must be no clues at all, except for if you how dare you might be sleeping in a bed in a different room. <laughs> like they're well aware of what's going on. Right. Um, but she tries to get him to come back to their bed and he keeps saying no. She's like, you're so uncomfortable. But he's like, I might have to if my back keeps hurting. And he oh, walks away. Little, little hint and what does Bree do? <laughs> the fact that she cuts the wire. Okay, I was just thinking like, is was this ever really I, I remember there being springs like Me wired too. springs in beds but this was a weird I had no to, like, this is a pull-out couch that's why okay it's the weird trundle kind of style where you fold it up right. so it's like a right. wire um instead of a bed spring it's like the wire right. and the cushions are on top yeah terrible so uncomfortable and awesome. I love that she just like easily just torques the thing up <laughs> She bends that shit right up. So it's just a pure spike in his back. And I, you know, I did stay in a cabin once and I swear to God, Brie had at the bed I was in because I could feel every fucking spring in my spine. I was like, this is awful. I cannot sleep. Okay, you know, if you ever have, if one day, you know, you and your future partner are fighting or something and you just need to pull a little spring. I know what to do cutting action you know what to do you've learned from desperate housewives the best source for desperate all housewives has taught me everything i need to know about life and relationships and that's why <laughs> i'm so successful and thriving and my love life couldn't be any better <laughs> anyway um susan <laughs> remembers mary alice wanted to throw a dinner party it's october 15th day before your birthday yeah, day before my birthday. I also love that this episode came out October 17th. So they were trying to make it like in and line. And I love when TV shows try to line up. Like they have the Christmas episode around Christmas. Like I appreciate it because it keeps in my head. Also, it's good. I like to have the note of timelines in the show. So in theory, it is October 15th, 2004 in the show. Okay, yeah. And, and actually I need to keep tracker of that because the timeline on this show is hilarious. The timeline is funny and it's particularly challenging to keep track of because it's pretty much sunny most of the time on Wisteria Yeah, the weather never changes. They are in a light sweater to meet it's winter. 
unless there's like a storm um or there there have been a few like romantic kind of scenes or just like big reveals with rain in the background Mm -hmm. but other than that it's always like pretty sunny um so then you can't really keep track of the seasons even later on there's a Christmas episode where it's like it literally looks like it's 80 degrees exactly no one's wearing a coat no one no one which is also a hint towards like location in America it can't be that north because what that's why kind of New Mexico-y area like areas it gets cold there more at night though but still like Arizona-y because they were always near Utah where are you I know seriously and we we haven't brought this up but yeah this location is not a real place the eagle state the eagle state what it is and so everyone tries to kind of think of like on reddit people are always coming up with possibilities where I get tripped up on is the connections to New York and Chicago and it's like are those just far away places that they're going to or are they nearby enough where they're popping I think they're far away places but I think Chicago is the one that always seems to be more referenced so I see it it being closer to Chicago yeah Um, yeah that's a good point I because the only real New York connections tend to be Gabby came was a model in New York and then um, later on we have a family move in from New York yeah yeah but yeah always fun to speculate where the fuck are we (laughs) right so Susan is reading the paper and she sees uh the date is October 15th which is the day that Mary Alice wanted to throw a dinner party and she'd completely forgotten and it turns out none of the housewives remembered. Um, Lynette says, how could we all forget? We didn't, oh, no, no. No, Susan, Susan says, how could we all forget? And Lynette says, we didn't expect exactly forget. It's just usually when the hostess dies, the party's off. <laughs> and this is I love Lynette for this time. This is her second time making a funny joke like that. Because when they were talking about the note in episode one or two, or no, episode two. Yeah. Uh, she made a really funny, uh, like dark humor comment. She's got so. the macabre jokes, you know, really. Love it. On lock for her, I, which I relate to. Yeah, so they decide to do it anyway. And that's kind of the whole big deal of the episode is it's all leading yes, up to this we're dinner preparing party. to this dinner for this dinner party mm-hmm. and carlos breaks his promise of being a home every night of the week and suggests gabby goes to a spa or shopping or something just find a way to relax so condescending being like oh you're so mad at me because you're just you need to relax and like Ew. how lonely i just feel so bad for gabby because she's just home all day she has her friends but then like you they have wives do, too. And yeah, you can only do so much shopping and get so many massages before you're just like, ugh, I'm just, it's not even enjoyable. Yeah, terrible. So of course she has to call John in algebra. Oh my God, really selling the, and we still haven't gotten an official age on him, but we know he's in high school. Yeah, do we ever really get an age on him? We get several different ages, none of which make sense with each other over the course of this show. But I believe it's later said that they started an affair at 16, but I think the show seems to start when he's 17. Mm. Based on my vague memories of the timeline. And then he like turns 18 like a hundred times. 
<laughs> I do remember, yeah, I do remember 16 being like the like punchline because I felt like it was so they really wanted to stereotype it. So I do remember a few comments of like, oh my he was God. 16. Um, yeah. yeah, she calls him in freaking algebra. And is he, is he like on a break in class? Like what's going on? He just answers his phone and he's like, she's like, oh, maybe he just sat algebra. down, but it hasn't started. But also in high school, back in the, back in those days, like phones weren't super common like cell phones it's 2004 so like having one at school and answering it at school is like a big no-no totally like you can't do but I guess maybe it depends on your high school how lax it is and such and I get the impression that John goes to like a posh private school yeah where maybe their parents call them on their cell phones all the time to check up on them Totally. Cause we do know his, like, we know that he goes to the same school as Danielle yes. at this point. I think we might know yes. that. I don't think it's established, but that is yeah. it's true. It, they go to the same yeah. high school. Um, and I think Rex totally it is a public Danielle. school. No, oh, there's really? no uniforms, but I think it's Fairview public school, which means it's everyone's it's rich right. as fuck. PTA is a whole big thing. Politics, right. parents, all that shit. It right. might as well be private, you know? Totally. Um, <laughs> Um, so Brie, Brie doesn't want Rex to tell uh, their friends about their marriage problems, mm-hmm. uh, specifically that they're in counseling. And so she wants to come up with this whole cover-up plan that they're in tennis lessons. Rex is like, what the hell? What do you mean? Like, how are we supposed to come up with these stories? And Brie has them already. She's ready. She's prepared. She's totally ready. Uh, she said her backhand is improving, but he's having problems with his serve. <laughs> her backhand's improving immensely. But you right. have problems with your serve. I loved so it. So funny that, of course, she had to come up with a situation where she's getting great. You need some work still. <laughs> I love the digs. Like it's, the digs it's from Brita Her Rex subtle way of explaining how she thinks therapy's going, I think. <laughs> yes, therapy's... He won't serve her what she needs, which is an answer of what the fuck is this thing you don't want to tell me? I know. It's really like frustrating to watch because you think like, why, first off, why can't he just tell her? But also like, you're complaining, Rex, that you're spending all this money in therapy, but you're delaying the process. Like, just spit it out already. Anyway, we'll get back to those two later. Carl picks up Julie and we meet Brandy, his girlfriend, former secretary that he had the affair with and uh, broke up with Susan for. Brandy's in this little red tank top and like a tan buttoned up skirt. It's so 2004 with little red sandals. It's so 2004. I just, I don't, I can't call it a best or a worst dress. This episode was really hard for me, honestly. I was very torn on every outfit. It was so, so hard. I don't feel strongly about either of my picks, to be honest. No, me neither. I feel very conflicted about both of them. Yeah, I know. Which we'll get to, but I just wanted to point out Brandy's outfit and her really straight blonde hair, like just so straight and flat iron to the gods. Like just that, that era where we all wanted to just look like long sticks. Exactly. The long waisted t-shirt, like tank top, which I certainly looked, but I shouldn't be doing that because I'm long enough as it is. I shouldn't be (laughs) accentuating any of that because that's probably what, like, I looked like that 
sliced in half. <laughs> She's like that. Yeah. yeah. Dick. But that was the hot girl you have to fear. I just want to point out totally. that that was the look that was totally. like yeah. the quintessential hot shit young thing. Absolutely. The <laughs> it's so funny to me. Because it's so not yeah. sexy. It's not. It's not. It's, it's just very, not. I think what like the early 2000s fashion casual is somehow like really not like almost semi-formal like the level it it's like there there was no line between formal and casual there were jeans on red carpets right while you're wearing like a weird silk like dress slip dress as a casual thing yeah right (laughs) tunics my god Tunics were a big thing. Anything long, like long tops. I know. I know. Okay. It's hard for me. (laughs) So Brandy throws her soda can on the ground and misses the trash. I just, who does she think she is? Like, who does that? Just like. It's shocking. It's jarring to see someone litter so blatantly. And like, maybe we could pretend like she tossed it and didn't look where it landed and just continued to walk away. But the audacity of some, like, that's some shit I'd see on the street and just do this look, like, stare, really obviously trying to make it clear how horrified I am by your behavior. Right, right. Absolutely insane. Um, Then Susan gets really mad and she asks multiple times to pick the can up. Why aren't you picking the can up? And Carl's just like, oh, pick it up yourself. It becomes a whole thing of, she just asks, like, can you pick that up? But she, of course she does it in a way, she could have said it in a way that wasn't setting up for, mm, like, first ask nicely, just as a rule, be like, it was condescending. Yeah. But exactly. it started really rude. And then Carl obviously comes back at the defense, on the defense, going like, oh, wait, you're right there. Pick it up yourself. Escalates to Susan kicking it at Carl. <laughs> so funny and I'm just thinking to myself like Susan pick your battles like she sucks okay pick up the can just pick up the goddamn can Susan Um, chooses the worst times to try to stand up for herself that's it that's what's most frustrating it's actually less because I'm just like really bad at picking her battles she doesn't battle the things she should battle and then that's what she has like a hill she dies on exactly yeah so she kicks the can, but she hits, it rolls over to Mike and Bongo. Oh, Bongo. And let's just talk for a second. So Susan has this quintessential face that she makes. It's mostly in season one. And, and a little sound. Of, yeah, a little tiny sound. And this painful, embarrassed look. It's higher. It, I'm to... <laughs> it is higher. I don't even know how to I do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like a dog. It is a whimpery dog sound. Whimpery dog, yeah. What is going on there? Like, it's supposed to be Terry Hatcher's, like, thing, I guess, throughout the show, but it's just... (laughs) I'm just just working on it, the face. Sorry, Julia, you have to look at this while you talk. (laughs) It's just so painful to watch. Like, I don't understand. Is it... It's supposed to be cute, I think? It, one of the most annoying things about her it is seriously- it's one of those things where if, when there's someone who kind of bugs you 
you need to fixate on and you can't really say why, but then there's one, that's the thing where you're like, I know for a fact that bugs me. And every time you do it, my insides crawl and like writhe. Like, yeah. and that's the thing I'm fixated on. Cause just as a whole, you're everything is bugging me, but I can't right. really say, I just don't like you. You're not allowed to just not like people. Right. 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 So you have to get stuck on this thing. Totally. That is exactly it. Oh, it's just so awful. And we'll continue to see it. I feel like we need to keep a tally. We of- should have a tally of that. We That's one of the other things we should have a running tally of to add since like not every episode can have a murder or an arson. Right, right. But lots true. of episodes have that face. So let's see. I, I think we probably got it twice this episode. Probably. I think at this um, moment and then later on our Bush moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Zach is upset that Paul did not make an obituary for Mary Alice uh and then he <laughs> and then he like threatens to not do one for Paul if I Paul love dies. and Paul is Paul's not phased at he's all like that's your right he's like me where and my family where we're like I'm dead I don't give a shit <laughs> right, <laughs> like exactly. that's our entire attitude so I'm like yes Paul <laughs> it's so funny and then he's like yeah that's assuming that you outlive me which and we get our dark ominous music and you're like oh jesus christ (laughs) like i make those jokes to my parents about them outliving me but they don't make them back at me about them outliving me right exactly then you're starting to think oh shit like i need to lock my bedroom door what the fuck this is terrifying (laughs) right like what i just love that whole thing same so then we jump over to John and Gabby. Um, so John's come over to Gabby's and they, even though we just last episode had a whole talk about how they can't be doing it at their place. Oh yeah. I just forgot about that. Out the they, window. They were like, Gabby's like, oh, well shit. I have to, I, oh, you know what it is? Gabby thought that Carlos was going to be home more. Mm-hmm. Then Carlos told her, sorry. I'm not doing this much again. I won't be. And now she's like, okay, well, Fine, we're might as well. That's what happened. Yeah, I guess that's true. And it isn't as time he's scheduled to garden either. So it's not like he's miss- skipping gardening for it. Right. He's making right. an extra trip over um, right. in his gym outfit. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and they are going at it, making out, stripping down right in front of the like glass. Can we just talk about how Gabby's house is the most expositionist house? Exhibitionist, not (laughs) exhibitionist house anyone's ever had. Like just giant glass windows with like the table she likes to fuck on. The balcony, massive windows to the front, looking over the whole neighborhood and a glass front door, no screen that you could pull down. That actually, I remember used to be like a big house interior design trend because like a lot of my my house growing up was kind of like that and a lot of my friends houses were where the front there was like a lot of front windows mm-hmm. and then the door like right next to it and so it reminds me of that it's very I don't know I don't know I don't really like that style very much I but... like a lot of light I think right. it's the glass door that's sending it over the edge for me yeah too much like yeah I had big front windows too Anyway, just an interesting thing about how they've ma- designed Gabby's house, who's having the affair in her house, to be the most on-display house ever, and no one sees it, <laughs> except right. 
this little girl who shows up at her front door. Do we ever get an explanation about why she was there in the first place? No, we never do. Like she just did wander over. She must have just been wandering. And it's as if they've ne- like Gabby's never seen her before. No, she's like, well, this is a new kid to the neighborhood, which is what we learn. Oh, what a like weird- when the mom, when Carlos is talking to the mom and the kid, they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, she just moved in here. They're here. Yeah. But why um, was she just told to go? Did she kick a ball in the yard? Uh, in my oh, head, she maybe. was a Girl Scout selling something, but I think that's something else later. Actually, I know that's something else later. Yeah, that's not in this. In but this. I was like, wait, she had no reason to be there. What yeah, are you, you, little weirdo? She's so, so weird. She's so weird creepy. Um, and she also looks so tired. Like She looks like me as a girl. She looks like I did. I was that child with the just massive dark circles where you're like, what is wrong with her? Like, are they abusing her because she looks like she's being sleep deprived and like she's sullen? Like what is going on? I had a friend like that. There are some kids that just look like that. And I was one of them. So I feel like I'm allowed to say it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So she shows up, she stares and then Gabby's like, well, shit, this little girl has seen us. Like I need to protect myself. Um, and she runs off. The little girl runs off. So Gabby can't like, cause she tries to stop her and see what the hey, hell just happened. Yeah. What's going on? But she doesn't see her again until she sees her with Carlos. And he's all, you know, we know Carlos wants kids and Gabby doesn't. He's all, oh, look at her. I can see her little mind working away as like, as she's staring at Carlos and Gabby, not saying a word. This girl barely talks the whole episode. She's Hardly so- a word comes out of this little girl's mouth but she's so annoyed by everything like I'm picturing I'm picturing these like kid actors auditioning for this and all like there's so many like great enthusiastic kids but then they find the like lazy the kid who just like doesn't doesn't the kid who doesn't want to be there and isn't good at faking it either (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly and they're like perfect they're like we got it that (laughs) little girl she's it so Gabby as her little mind's working away she knows that little girl's piecing it together she can tell so she tries to bribe her by well first she tries to talk and see what she knows she's like so you know kissing yeah sometimes you kiss your friends you kiss your dog you kiss your mom um yeah that's you know so that if you saw me kissing anyone that's what that was by the way here's a doll she's a little Hawaiian princess (laughs) Ashley, this little girl is so annoyed with her the whole time. She's just like, yes, like, hello, why are you talking to me? Over it. And the only thing she says is, I want a bike. (laughs) The only words she says there. So fucking Gabby gets this girl a bike. And then she's like, I don't know how to ride. It's like, well, why do you want a fucking bike then? And then she's like, you got to teach me. So Gabby in her heels has to scurry on chasing. I love how many people, kids, we get to see learn how to ride a bike on Wisteria Lane. And it's we always funny it because they always fall. They always fall. And I feel like it comes up a couple times that the kid really wants a bike. And then they learn that the kid doesn't know how to ride a bike. I feel like that's a theme yeah and like the falling also just the total and granted sometimes the falls are dramatic but this one she's like I want to go again teach more she's like my heels I can't do that right Um, she's like what about tomorrow don't you have school 
I'm homeschooled. Gabby just sees her life ticking away. And then it never comes up ever again. They no. never resolved this storyline. They never do. It's very frustrating. And that's the first loose end. Speaking of, there was a whole metaphor earlier with that, that Mary Alice had about Brie and loose ends, I think. Mm. Um, and tying those up. And this is a loose end that didn't get tied up. And it's bugging my Brie. My inner Brie is mad. I'm mad too. I want to know what happens to this girl. Same. Did she just ignore it? Was she just too excited about the bike that she was Maybe like- Maybe her mom sends her away. She's like, this freak needs to go. <laughs> go live with your dad or whatever. I don't know if they're- Anyway, <laughs> where do we think that little girl is now? Um, not acting. <laughs> I don't think she's acting. I, we should look this up later and then report I think back. we should. Um, but yes. Tom- is too tired for the dinner party because he's been working all week boo freaking who and then lynette finds a picture of him out drinking margaritas in a sombrero with his co-workers so she says you suck i'm going to the party without you have fun with kids basically and then he can't even open the like little jello pack so it just like reinforces that he is gonna have no fully like, dependent on he tom with the kids is like, I'm getting real topical right now. Kendall Kardashian trying to cut a cucumber. Have you seen that? Yes. Well, I watched the episode and it was oh. very, it was, it was embarrassing. It's watch. like she couldn't figure out that you could just start cutting it from the other side if you're right-handed. You yeah. could hold it with the other, you don't, Honestly, you could turn it around. I recommend watching the whole clip because Chris the entire time is like calling the chef over to come do it for her. And it's so funny it's so good uh, I, but, but like, that's yeah. what tom reminds me of is yeah that, tom where he can't do and he's so helpless he's like the kid that grows up with the au pair doing everything for them yes and has yes. never done themselves. and later we learn that he just had an overbearing mother you yes. know who babied him his entire life yeah which tracks yeah. it tracks yeah so brie and rex are in therapy with dr goldfine and he says that clearly at the Rex's recommendation um that he would like to start speaking to them separately because Rex clearly has something he wants to talk about with him that he doesn't want to share with Brie which is just like the most frustrating thing to be Brie right there being like what what do you know what is happening like you're so out of the loop yeah very very frustrating and I love that when she finally agrees to do it she says now if it has anything to do with adultery prostitution or internet pornography she'd really appreciate him taking the moral high ground on this and telling her <laughs> which just a little something that i'd like to you know yeah just kind what of if it pause, does? Like, what does this have to do what does this have to do with i'm this is wouldn't also be shocked if internet pornography was something that it had to do with because everyone watches internet pornography right right Right. So chances are it's going to be one of those three. Maybe um, all of them. Your, maybe two of them. Yeah, maybe this one? was your worst stress moment with Brie. This oh, one okay. was hard because I also, I had a feeling this would be your best because I like it too in a way. But it, it looks is bad on her. It is so unflattering and I just think she deserves better. No, it, it's deservingly uh, we're worst stressed because it first, it ages her a lot. Like she looks 
so much older than she actually is. It ages her. It hides her body. There's no shape to it. It no flow. Cause it's like tweed. Okay. Yeah. She is in like a little matching skirt and jacket set, which normally huge fan of skirt and jacket sets. Tweed yeah. also could have been cute, but it right. was like a shorter line and no shape to it. It was very straight across boxy. Yeah. yeah. And which I, I like the boxiness, but it needs to be on someone else. It just doesn't work. It doesn't her. suit her silhouette. And it's also like, a, and I, but I do think it was a perfect choice for these early episodes of Brie because she later on, as we get into the seasons, she definitely has, starts being more flattering. She's less, yeah. it's like so rigid. stiff. It's just it's so stiff. Yeah. Yeah, very stiff and very rigid, which is complements her personality. And mm-hmm. so, like, I get why they chose it for this, but when you when you <laughs> look up, and this is really why I chose it, is because if you look up, try to look up outfits of it, like Brie, to try to just see representations. This is what shows up. It's and always I, what shows up, and it's and just so awful. insulting for that to be how she's identified because she has other outfits that are so much better so on point for her character as well yeah I would personally choose so I have a vendetta against it I get it I get it it makes sense um okay so then we go to Paul comes home to Zach playing with his mother's gun and Zach is like why did you keep this yeah Paul says it's for protection and then does he say something like, you need to take your medication? He says, he's like, it's for protection. You never know what happens. You're just, you know, he's like, this is oh, you're just being weird. You need to take your medication. It's very gaslighty. That's terrible. I feel so bad. And for it's our first kind of sign about like, Zach, okay, what's going on? So clearly like, he has psychiatric something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And whether was was that before the Mary Alice's death or afterwards? That yes. Was interesting to kind of think a about. lot of unknowns where we're like wait what <laughs> what's going on back is equally as creepy as paul oh they're both creepazoids they're so creepy um in fact when brie knocks on the door and zach goes and answers he like opens the door and he has the, he has the ashley face on he has like the weird like just staring at her face and the Ashley Brie. face is so like I love that so much we're gonna it's use that so forever we, yeah, Ashley we face. he absolutely has the Ashley face and he's holding the gun behind his back I know which as makes, he's talking to her so you start to like worry about Brie like, and what the fuck is about to happen here yeah, and Brie's exactly. just coming over to invite them over for the dinner party that's you know it's in your mother's honor I wasn't sure if I wish we you two were ready for kind of these kind of events but I just wanted to see and you can see Zach is kind of touched by this because Paul is clearly closed off from Mary Alice he doesn't want to talk about it he doesn't want to like dwell on it and Zach needs to talk about it he wants to talk about his mother yep exactly uh this was my best dressed with Brie was wearing this really gorgeous like light blue sweater that had like pleated lines in it and then a really nice a really nice like paisley scarf that was either like an ascot or a scarf it was just like a lighter lighter scarf Mm -hmm. it was a little neck so cute a neckerchief yeah exactly she looked really really good she looked really good in that one that was definitely a great and see that's what Brie deserves exactly yeah 
And it was a little bit more casual for her because she doesn't have a jacket on. She just has a sweater. And and maybe that was really representative of how uncomfortable she was um, in front at the therapist. Yeah, very true. Whereas this is, she's a little more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And later we see Zach. So Zach, oh, Zach, thanks Brie for, you know, remembering his mom. It's very ominous music and Paul comes up behind him suddenly even though he said that he didn't know where his dad was right so something weird we can assume Brie maybe is slightly picking up on something a little off but doesn't she really does know have, what she, her face looks like she's suspicious and then she asks Zach if he's okay like are yeah. you are you doing okay and we can see, we as the audience see Paul removing the gun from his hands. And that's kind of that. Later, we see Zach asleep on the couch next to three pill bottles, which I had a moment of like, is he, did he just OD? Did he just like, I know, pop it a totally bunch of pills? Like that. And then yeah. Paul walks in and like tucks him in, which you're like, is he dying? This is creepy. He's not. I'm just like, what's happening? And no, the TV is playing the news, which Paul quickly turns off, but not before we hear that there was a wooden chest that a fisherman found in a lake that they believe contains human remains. So when Zach, when Paul turns off the TV, is he like listening in to like- That's what I was he- trying to figure out. I'm like, you would think he'd want to listen because we know he threw the wooden chest. We know that's his chest. And now we know there's a body in it probably- I feel like he was distracted. Like he didn't. But I even think maybe he literally time. wasn't paying attention. Oof. I think maybe that was only for us and not for him. But it is kind of hard to say. It is. It's weird. Um. So the day of the dinner party, um, Tom <laughs> has the audacity to think that it's his nights with the kids. This will be so easy. Like they're gonna be so fine. He's and- so cocky about it. Like, chill out, Lynette. It's fine. I'll be fine. I don't know how to care for a couple of kids. Right, like acting like her job has is so easy with them. Uh, so she decides to give the kids some cookies to just hype them up, make them super hyper. And we find out later that this did a number on him because sure he's like fully asleep on the couch after the dinner party, passed out. There's like an infomercial in the background with an <laughs> ugly ring that's on. So he clearly watched TV so long or he had it on to the point where it was playing an infomercial, which you know means the program was long over. Oh yeah. He's been asleep on that couch for a while, which also begs the question, how long was Lynette at the dinner party? Because infomercials mm-hmm. tend to be like an AM thing. They totally are. They're totally like- So it's past midnight. This dinner party goes a yeah. while. And this was Lynette at the dinner party is actually your best dress, which I yes, actually have so to let's wonderful. go to the, oh, that's jumping really ahead, but it is my favorite. She is in a white backless dress. It's very, like, I, it's a thin strap, which isn't necessarily my favorite thing in the world in general of a thin strapped dress and like yeah. the belted it is kind look, of an interesting choice, but for the but- time. Like that was very in, like spaghetti straps were really in. And this was just like an elevated version of that, which I appreciate. Yeah, very. And I love Lynette in white. Me too. She looks so good in white. She always looks her best. She she glows in white. It's a nice right below the knee length on her, which I think is very flattering. It hugs her in the waist nicely, the open back. 
the boob area bust area was a little awkwardly fitted but I know you're dealing with a lack of no bra because you're so you're fighting a lot with that you can only do so much and so like I did struggle with this one I'm like it's not perfect but for what it is and for Lynette I really enjoyed it and I think a plus Lynette you look beautiful she looks so good and honestly to say somebody looks really good in white is a huge compliment in itself and Lynette always looks great in white. she looks great in white and the fact that her outfit's what I noticed and I didn't notice Gabby's outfit in this dinner party brava yeah I didn't even to, pick up to try to compete with these other women standing out as beautifully dressed and like looking pretty next to Gabby who you know I'm obsessed with it's a big Extra honor for that yeah, so let, let's just go back a little bit before yes. the dinner party. Because we have some events occur before the dinner party. Some big ones. Susan um, invites Carl over because she wants to talk to him about something, but he shows up at the wrong time, right? Yeah, like, like not supposed to be there then. And she had just showered because she's getting ready for the dinner party. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, fuck it, whatever. He's here already, so I'm just going to sit down and talk to him. And he's so gross and is like, it's not like it's the first time I've seen your body or whatever. Right. I'm like, let her put some fucking clothes on. Right. So gross. So she starts out by like bringing up the kicking the can situation and you think she's going to apologize. And then she asks (laughs) him to apologize, which this is a really big Susan to a T moment where she can never admit that she's wrong. (laughs) Never. And it's always, she's always a victim. It's always about somebody else. And granted, I get it. Like you're mad. You want him to fess up, but you can't force someone to apologize. No. And also maybe at the very least offer an apology for your behavior and then say, I was upset because of this. Right. Exactly. Like and then apologize like, first, but she doesn't, she like almost does and then doesn't. It's she so funny. Mouth. I love, that was so intentional the way they did that because it's just very Susan. So Susan. It is funny too, because earlier in the episode, we, this was such a minor detail, but Lynette and Susan, I think go grocery shopping together. And then they come back to Wisteria Lane and Susan is like talking about how things, you know, Mike saw the can kicking and like, so embarrassed. Um, And then even Lynette says something like, girl, get a pet, like stop fussing over your ex-husband and what he's up to. Like you need to just chill out. (laughs) This drama is not worth your time. Yeah. You need to let this shit go. My God, Susan, you won't, that's, you can't be doing that. Yeah. Susan erupts at him, ends up, the whole thing escalates to her following him out of the house, yelling at him. Well, not so much yelling as just ranting at him. And she opens the passenger car door to keep finishing what she's saying even though was I wrong were the windows open like they can hear you I think the windows were open I I felt like the windows were open I'm like why are you doing this but obviously it's so she could slam the car door catching her towel so when he drives off she is left butt-ass naked and here's our moment the part that they definitely put in all the trailers the little comedic waddle she goes to her front door it's locked she locked herself out she is naked on her porch she hides behind the pillar on (laughs) and then she grabs a fucking giant potted plant waddles to the side door with it (laughs) with her like oiled up totally tanned legs like you know terry hatcher has been all right i'm gonna be naked 
This is my I've moment. Prepping for this Brazilian wax. Every tan time everything. she appears nudish, yeah, you can tell she's fully greased up her whole body to like. Oh, glow. totally. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Love it for her. <laughs> so she tries to open the window, the side window, and then she falls into the shrubs. And this is a weird acting moment. Like she's sitting there, and I think she's supposed to look embarrassed, but she looks almost relieved. Like she, I think this caught. moment before because it's before she's caught and she's just kind of like taking in the moment for the absurdity it is kind of giving yeah, you're right. that's kind of how I interpret that of just like Jesus look at me I am here I am naked in my shrubs there's nothing I can do about it it's acceptance yeah. like it can't get yeah. worse than this right and then she gets caught by Mike <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. She's so heard she all her messages. Oh, by the way, because she's been inviting him to dinner. Oh, and this is, multiple voicemails. Yeah. This is what also tracks back to the conversation with Lynette after the grocery store. Because Susan is like, I've, I've invited him so many times at the dinner party and he just like won't say anything. And it turns he out that he, my he behavior was, and been ignoring me. Right. He was like out of town or something. Is that what he had said? I think he was just working. It's he, yeah, she called his home phone and he's been gone all day. They wasn't noticed. She called him like that morning. <laughs> and Mike makes the joke, like, I'm guessing dress is casual. Like, yes, I'll go to the dinner. I party. love him. He's not acknowledging her nudity at all. He's just looking up, going like, So I got your messages. Um Yeah. I would love to. You cool? She's like, Great. Yeah, it's a date. And he's like, Great. Assume the dress is casual. So we segue into the dinner party where Mike and Susan go together and they kind of recap what happened. Like, is my screen going to be fine? Basically. So he found, he helped her get her way into Yes, We get the summary that he didn't actually just walk away at that point. He left probably to go get tools to break into her house for her. Exactly. Um, And Mike is awesome here. Like they, they knock on the door and what are we at Bree? We're at Bree's house. It's Bree. She's want a uh, Bray's lamb. Yeah, Bray's lamb. Yeah. And she answers or someone answers. And uh Mike makes the joke that Susan and him were late because she was having trouble finding something to wear. Which we love. And he's like, she's like elbowing him and shit. But like I love that first little moment of him like having a little bant them having banter that's a little more honest, you know? Yes, it's very, it's much more genuine than before. I feel like they've definitely, like, the ice has been broken. Yes. Um, it's that. What's funny, though, is, and this is, again, such a Susan thing that's so annoying, is she wouldn't laugh about it. Like, no. she laughed about that joke, but then she, pull, she like, basically tells Mike, like, can we like, not, like, I'm not ready to laugh at this. Too soon. Susan, get like, over yourself. It's not too soon. You're naked. Get over it. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> And, and that's why Mike is your MVP for this. Episode. Oh yeah, that is, I mean, everything about Mike in the whole situation, Mike is my MVP. Mike, his walkie bongo, he's being a good dog dad. He's he's looking up, he's helping her break into her house for her. He's like keeping it light. He's not ribbing her super hard. He's not being gross or anything, but he's keeping it, ribbing her enough to keep it funny. Yeah. And like show that he's like, I'm not, you know, it's all good. Everything's fine. Totally. Um, Make her feel comfortable. And Mike's the best. (laughs) Mike is the best. 
so Carlos and Rex are talking. They're having a little side conversation at the dinner party. And Carlos just like keeps asking Rex about tennis. Like, I want to do tennis. Tell me more. And he's one of those. I, I'm sorry. People are doing this to be nice when they're asking follow-up questions about stuff like that. But that's so annoying to me. It is very annoying. Like, I don't like, want to tell you that much. <laughs> no. And also like just clearly I'm showing you that I don't really want to share much you know yeah, like, like take a hint take a like, hint that like sometimes I'm just I don't not, have much to share even it's not that I don't want to I don't even I don't say or I just don't want to talk about it like even if I did know who the instructor was or where the situation I don't was, want like, to yeah I don't want to um I like it and then it gets to the point where because Carlos asks about where the location is. Who? Where? What club? You yeah, know? Exactly. All this uh, shit. Rex just says, you know, Carlos, we've been in therapy. This was some made up thing that Brie had. And it's funny here because like Rex is clearly hiding a huge secret about what's right. going on with their marriage and why he's unhappy. Yet he can so easily spill the beans about anything related to Brie because it just doesn't matter to him. And no, it's so he doesn't sad. care about anything that Brie actually cares about, you know? Yeah, it, it really breaks my heart for Brie. So Brie drops the hors d'oeuvre plate when she hears that Rex confessed that they're in therapy. And we cut to them all eating dinner together. And this just baffles me because Susan wants to break the ice by saying that, okay, you guys are in therapy, whatever. You want to know what happened to me? I was caught naked by Mike earlier. And then it just like divulges into all the women basically inadvertently bragging about their sex capades with their husbands. And I'm like, ladies, this is not the time to do that. that, Them being in counseling, they don't want to hear about your hot sex and like how horny you were for each other that you had to get a little frisky on Mr. Toad's wild ride, Lynette. okay and that's the thing this is on Lynette because Susan starts it with the naked thing and granted it's a little sexual but like it literally just happened yeah it's It's, fair you know it not a you know it's on their mind it's embarrassing then Lynette follows up with I can top you and goes yeah we got kicked out of Disneyland perp walked down Main Street for getting handsy on Mr. Toad's wild ride you're totally followed up by Gabby because yeah. now that it's become sexual, she's like, oh, we broke a waterbed in Cancun. Carlos had a yeah. thing for spiked heels. And then Brie interjects with cry- Rex cries after he ejaculates. It's so funny. And everyone's just silent. Rex walks out. The dinner party's over. Which I, is why I'm like, how is Lynette home so late? Yeah. That infomercial's on. Very track. Where does she go? Is Lynette having an affair? Maybe Lynette, it's just like- Maybe Lynette's running off. Maybe she smoked. Maybe she went off and smoked. She might have for a long time though. A long smoke. (laughs) So Mike and Susan walk home together where they talk about, Mike basically says, you know, don't worry about it with the whole can kicking thing. Cause Susan was like, I swear I don't get that mad at anybody, but he just treated me so terribly at the end. And Mike is like, listen, you got to think of Carl like a trial run. It's your first marriage isn't going to always last, you know? And then they have this eye contact moment where you're like, maybe you guys will get married. And it's just so cute. For the real deal later on the road, you know? It's adorable. Um, 
and Susan has to bring up her naked experience again. And it's like, Susan, you don't need to now be like, oh, and about when I was naked. Remember that time I was naked in the bush? I'm like, thank you for being a gentleman. It's like, you're totally fishing for some sort of sexual comment. comment. Yeah. Um, Which she gets. He says, I wasn't a perfect gentleman. I might've snuck a peek and uh, wow. And he walks off and it's like, Susan and Mike are the peak of this episode. Like they're really fun to watch. Oh, Susan was actually my worst dressed uh, at the dinner party. She was wearing, again, another one of those school teacher cardigans, which I just never like. Uh, It was kind of long too. And then a a bright white tank top with like a strange, like midi, another one of those midi skirts. And it was very like flared. It was like, it was flared and like striped. It looked almost It like was a, really bad. And like I didn't want to give it to her again because it felt like a repeat of her other bad dinner outfit. And I didn't want to be the same, say the same but shit. It's but like it's the, the red cardigan, outfit. the white shirt, yeah. that long, a belt, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Awful. You don't Awful. look sexy. No, and the skirt looked like a little kilt. Like it looked, it was yes. strange. Yeah, not not good. Also, I have to say, Susan, Susan's hair looked really thin in this episode. Like she had really like just flat, thin, thin hair. It was weird. Yeah. Oof. Um, rough. So then uh we have a moment where Bree is packing for Rex because he's gonna stay in a hotel. Clearly, this blew up the whole, you know, Rex ejaculates when he or Rex. Yeah. When he, so he must have come back because he stormed out with his car keys yeah. but right. now we're here and brie is packing for rex to go stay at a hotel she's even suggesting he stay at a different hotel because they have better rates and that she's packing his swimsuit because she knows how much he likes to relax and unwind in the pool <laughs> and i'm like brie just like you can't not be nice she literally like, can't not be this way and he even says like she's like why is this happening to us and he goes because you can't even let me pack my own suitcase so she smooths out the bedspread to feel better rex is such a little ungrateful baby though it's like the husbands are often ungrateful little babies is kind of the theme they really are um so brandy uh has brandy and carl have an interaction with susan again and susan decides to apologize to brandy and brandy they like kind of go like leave but then Brandy's like wait I want to say something and then she apologizes and now Susan suddenly feels better honestly though if I were Susan I wouldn't care as much about the mistress saying I'm sorry right it was a whole little thing of she's like I didn't even know that's who I wanted the apology from and it's a weird little moral there like a little kind of conclusion to that whole saga yeah, very strange. We have a super, super cute moment with um, Tom and Lynette. Uh, Tom, Tom finally realizes how much Lynette works because he had to be alone with the kids. So he sets up a little margarita date night. It's so cute. And they're dancing and the boys, the little boys come down and watch them. It's the just cutest. so precious. Um, okay, we're back to Brie trying to figure out what's going on with Rex and she's gotta why. get to the bottom of this shit. And she yeah, why does God? Why does Doctor Goldfine want to see them separately? Like that's amazing. Yeah. What is Rex saying that Goldfine knows and she doesn't? She can't handle him knowing and not her, which yeah. I get totally. 
Um, so she's trying to get information out of him, begs Dr. Goldfine to talk to her. So he tries to cancel his client, but while he's going out and doing that, she's looking through his tapes, his like videotapes and finds one that says Mary Alice on it. So I love that we, either Dr. Goldfine is like the only therapist in town, right? Like an amazing therapist in the area or both. But like, it's very funny, the crossover to me that Mary Alice also was seeing Dr. Goldfine. It is such small world shit, but I can definitely link it to like almost showing, oh, they're in the same circles. They know the same, they have the same recommendations, all this stuff, you know? Right, right. Like the middle, like middle-aged white women suburban Dr. Goldfine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So that's exciting because we're going to have a little bit of, you know, tape footage she finds this she's looking for rex's tape and accidentally finds mary alice's and she's holding it and she can hear him coming and just kind of impulsively shoves it in her purse and takes it i love and it i love the hip violation see her but she's like no problem gotta go so funny i loved it and then we end the episode uh paul is putting a for sale sign on his house which is yeah Mary Alice is summarizing the episode and she kind of ends it with there will always be those who face their fears and always those who run away and Paul is putting up a for sale sign so he is running away from his fears while others are confronting them dun 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 you know and maybe then he did hear the news story of them finding the trunk because then and I think he did I think you're right actually that makes a lot of sense because then at that point he's like, "Well, I gotta fucking go now. I yeah. have no choice." So, so yeah, that was the episode. It was quite detailed. Lots theory. of details in there. Yeah, a fun but little episode with fun little moments. Did you have an MVP this episode? I didn't. I think Mike would be my MVP too. Yeah. But like, even then, they just there. There wasn't. Everyone was kind of shitty this episode. We we shed a lot of light on some shitty characters. Correct yeah correct but it was a fun time and i'm looking forward to episode four yay see you next time